Good day, friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I hope this day finds your heart full of sunshine and your spirit full of joy. If you expect the present day school system to give you your history, you are dreaming. This we have to do for ourselves. The Chinese did not go out into the world and beg people to teach Chinese studies or let them teach Chinese studies. The Japanese did not do it either. People don't beg other people to restore their history. They do it themselves. Africans in the United States must remember that the slave ships brought no West Indians, no Caribbeans, no Jamaicans or Trinidadians or Barbadians to the hemisphere. The slave ships brought African people and most of us took the semblance of nationality from the place where slave ships dropped us off. And that's the ins and outs of it. And first of all, I'd like to congratulate the Borough Brothers for opening Kentucky's first black-owned distillery. They opened the distillery in Louisville's historically black neighborhood where legendary boxer Muhammad Ali grew up. You don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. My friends, let us slip into darkness. In the 360 years between 1500 and the end of the slave trade in the 1860s, at least 12 million Africans were forcibly taken to the Americas, then known as the New World to European settlers. This largest forced migration in human history relocated some 50 ethnic groups. Only a small portion of the enslaved, less than half a million, were sent to North America. The majority went to South America and the Caribbean. In the mid-1600s, Africans outnumbered Europeans in cities such as Mexico City, Havana, and Lima. The transatlantic slave trade is called a triangular trade for its three-legged route that began and ended in Europe. The European vessels took goods to Africa where they were exchanged for slaves. The ships then sailed to the Americas to trade slaves for agricultural products extracted by slave labor, 
which were sold in Europe after the return journey. The Middle Passage was the journey between Africa and the Americas. It could take four to six weeks, but the average lasted between two and three months. Chained and crowded with no room to move, Africans were forced to make the journey under terrible conditions, naked and lying in filth. These horrible conditions of captivity resulted in the deaths of an estimated one and a half to two million men, women, and children en route to the New World. The earliest slaves worked in North America on plantations along the southern coast, cultivating cash crops like rice and tobacco, freedom in Spanish Florida. The part of Florida held by the Spanish south of St. Mary's River became a destination for escaped slaves. To antagonize the British both militarily and economically, Spain welcomed slaves from the British territory, declaring them free and set up the first free all-black settlement in Fort Mose, north of St. Augustine, in 1738. But successful escapes were rare. As the country expanded westward with acquisitions such as the 1803 Louisiana Purchase and inventions made cultivating certain crops more profitable, the demand for slave labor increased. Eli Whitney's invention of the cotton gin in 1793 ushered in new cotton economy. This new machine vastly multiplied the profit potential for America's planters, making it possible to separate seeds from cotton without destroying the fiber. Cotton fueled a second middle passage. Cotton plantations spread in the Deep South, according to federal census, in 1790, approximately 650,000 slaves worked with rice, tobacco, and indigo. By 1850, the country had 3.2 million slaves, 1.8 million of whom worked in cotton. By the middle of the 19th century, the southern states were providing two-thirds of the world's supply of cotton. Forced migration and the separation of families happened within America, just as it did between Africa and the New World. The bulging agricultural economy not only created an enormous new region for slavery in the Lower South, it turned the Upper South into slave-exporting states where families and individuals were at constant risk 
of being sold away from whatever stable base they had. Families that had been intact for generations um, along the Atlantic coast were forever separated. Runaway Journeys Since the earliest days of slavery, African Americans risked everything to find freedom. Escaped slaves made their way to Canada, Mexico, and areas of the United States where they could live free. Not run by any one person or organization, the Underground Railroad was a large network of safe houses and routes that escaped slaves used to travel to the north, often covering 10 to 20 miles each day. Harriet Tubman, who herself had escaped from slavery in 1849, is famous for her work as one of the many conductors on the Underground Railroad. She journeyed often into the South to help slaves find their way. Free in the North and South. Although Southern states made life for a free Black difficult, whether denying residency or threatening re-enslavement for minor criminal offenses, more free Blacks lived there than northern states even through the Civil War. When slavery was abolished at the end of the Civil War in 1865, the greatest increase in the Black populations of northern cities were in Cleveland, Boston, New York, and Philadelphia. Between 1850 and 1860, 4,000 Blacks settled in California. Half chose San Francisco and Sacramento, creating the first English-speaking Black urban communities in the Far West. The first African Americans in California had arrived much earlier from Mexico in 1781. African Americans comprised a majority of the 44 founders of Los Angeles. They were joined by more blacks from Mexico when slavery ended there in 1821. Although blacks made significant moves north and west at the turn of the 20th century, over 7 million of the nation's almost 9 million blacks lived in the South. The Great Migration was one of the largest migrations ever of the African-American population. Many scholars consider it as two waves between 1916 and 1930, and from 1940 to 1970, the Great Migration saw a total of 6 million African Americans leave the South. The first wave out of the South, work. Both lack of it and opportunities 
was a major reason for leaving the South. While the bull weevil infestation quickly destroyed the cotton industry between 1915 and 1920, World War I was creating jobs at factories and railroads in the North. And between 1916 and 1918 alone, 400,000 African Americans migrated North. In the summer of 1916, the Pennsylvania Railroad helped more than 10,000 African Americans move in order to employ them. The growing population of African Americans in more northern urban areas created strong and distinct communities that supported everything from Black-owned businesses, hospitals, and institutions to major cultural developments. The second wave out of the rural South The stock market crash of 1929 and the Great Depression that followed slowed the migration trend. However, as World War II revved up industry population, African Americans began to move from rural areas and into city centers again and from southern cities to northern cities. By the end of World War II, the majority of black population lived in urban areas. This second wave saw more migration to coastal cities of California, Oregon, and Washington. Oklahoma lost 23,000 African Americans, 14% of its black population, while the state of California gained 338,000. In 1930, there were slightly over 50,000 African Americans living in California's major cities. By 1950, that number had increased to over 250,000. A reverse migration. The last decades of the 20th century marked a new migration trend. By 1970, there were more African Americans heading to the South than leaving it. It was already in the late 1960s that the number of African Americans moving to the South eclipsed the number leaving. Since then, Black migration to the South has continued to grow. The two biggest reasons for this trend have been family ties and economic betterment. African Americans who have made this return, the vast majority of them have never lived in the South, have returned to areas where their families had been based. While Northern cities have seen a decrease in manufacturing, Industry and jobs are growing in the South and West. Cheap labor, tax breaks, and inexpensive land have generated more industrial jobs in the regions and have brought other economic opportunities with them. 
a lower cost of living has added reason to make the geographical move. By 2010, Atlanta had surpassed Chicago as the metro area with the largest African-American population, second to New York. The new migration movement is that of immigrants from Africa and the Caribbean. Between 2000 and 2010, Black Africans represented the fastest growing segment of the country's foreign-born population. In 2011, 1.7 million immigrants from the Caribbean and about 1.1 million from Africa were living in this country. Less than 10% of Caribbean Blacks live outside the Northeast and Florida. African immigrants are more widely settled. They are mostly concentrated in New York, Texas, California, Florida, and Illinois, with 21% living in the Midwestern states and 15% in Western states. The African-American journey begins again. Well, my friends, we all know what that sound means. I will leave you with this thought. You never know what results come from your actions. But if you do nothing, there will be no results. Until next time, my friends, it has been my honor.